Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Behind the Steel Curtain Deputy Editor Dave Schofield coming at you uh, once again with his big brother Rich. Rich, how's it going tonight? Going well tonight. Going well tonight. Yeah, we're well, we're kind of excited because it's not going to be just the two of us tonight. No. We have a special guest joining us tonight, and we just kind of want to set this up a little bit. Uh, someone's coming in to, to talk about a very specific topic. We're going to talk about uh, the Steelers running back situation. I hope you all are excited. We are going to be bringing in one Kevin Smith. Now, now I'm not, this isn't silent Bob. Okay. This is this. I know Kevin Smith is quite a, quite a common name out there, but this is Kevin Smith. And I'm going to see if, um, if you guys have any idea who Mr. Smith might be. So Kevin, do you got us? I got you. Thank you. Thanks hey, for how, are, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. I apologize for the uh, technical deficiencies on my end. Hey, I, we're just happy that you're here, that we got it worked through. Um, Kevin is someone that we talk about a lot on this show. Um, we, we've referenced you quite a good bit. So do you want to let the world know who you are? Uh, well, I mean, I, you know, my technical difficulties predate tonight. I actually, over the weekend, had to sort of ditch my uh, BTSC identity by uh, because I had to start, you know, like a new profile. So oh, no. uh, I guess I'm best known to uh, to the site as the artist formerly known as Cliff Harris is still a punk. We uh, have. <laughs> we, my goodness, we even have Brian Anthony Davis in the live wow. chat ready for this. Wow. So, yeah, hey, Brian. We have Cliff Harris is still a punk with us tonight. Now we talk about your articles all the time. You do a fantastic job breaking down stuff for the website, really going into some to, to some technical breaking down specific things. Do you want to let us know? I mean, you you don't have to go too much into it, but um, want to let us know a little bit about yourself, how you know your Steeler fandom, your football background anything like that you know only as much as you feel comfortable sharing yeah i, I mean i'm a you know, lifelong Steeler fan from new jersey man uh grew up in a around a bunch of eagles fans so Ooh. super bowl super bowl 10 i was a little kid everybody was rooting for the steelers because they all hated the cowboys and then you know <laughs> the uh kind of that seminal moment right where it with lambert uh and cliff harris having their altercation and that just kind of for whatever reason that just clicked, and uh, I've been a, a Steeler fan ever since. I mean, I've been spent my life in football. I mean, I I played in high school and college. I'm a I've been I'm a football coach. I've been a, I'm a head coach of a high school program here in New Jersey. So I've been coaching for a long time. I just I just love the game. I'm a junkie, man. I'll watch I'll watch sixth graders play football. You know, <laughs> I got, yeah. I just I just love the game. You know, I love the Steelers and love the game. Yeah, that, fantastic. That's that's wonderful. I I myself am a former football coach. I never ascended to the ranks of head varsity coach. I uh, I was a I was a three year varsity assistant where I was assisting the offensive line coach, who was also the defensive coordinator. But I tell you what, the most fun that I had when when I was uh, uh, helping out, get you know, get my feet wet with the varsity was I ran the scout team. Oh, and, awesome. And man, awesome. that that was fun because I mean yeah. they're just it's just plays drawn up on a sheet of paper with guys coming out like all right run this because this is what we're running to the uh, of the opposition that was so much fun. Uh, our scout offense, we we pushed we had a fantastic defense. It was the first time our our high school ever won a playoff game uh, that year. We uh, we beat the uh, legendary Dunbar High School in Baltimore. Oh, um, 
in, in the playoffs. And it, it was fantastic. And we had a great defense. But part of it is because I had guys that just, they bought into having fun and enjoying that scout offense in order to push that defense. But then I, then I said, you know what, I'm going to start to work my way through the ranks. So then I had to come in, you know, start off with the paid staff, which meant I'm the assistant freshman coach. Then I moved up to the head freshman coach. And then I had a family and my daughter was born. Uh, she was due less than two weeks before football season started. So I'm like, I've got to take a season off. Yeah. And that's been it for me ever since because of the whole family thing. But I, I love football. I could watch football of any level. Um, did you catch any XFL this weekend? Yeah, I loved it. Loved yeah. the XFL. Yeah, you know, I thought it was very entertaining. Yeah, I, I watched the, every game. I liked the schemes. You know, I liked uh, all the motion, all the movement. I thought the rule changes were, were cool. I don't know if they, they're all, you know, they can all translate. But I thought, yeah. you know, it was exciting to watch. I thought the crowds were great, too. The, the, yes. 20, the, the play clock sure sped things up. I've been hearing a little bit that caused a little bit of issue for offenses just being able to get plays in fast enough to be able to get them in, get to the line, make a read, and snap yeah. the ball. That it was um, tough to get that defensive read. Yeah. yeah, I think I think anything that makes the game faster is uh, is is beneficial. You know, the oh, pro yeah. game. My biggest problem with the pro game is uh, just the time. It's a it's a four hour investment now uh, to watch a pro game because of the commercials and uh, you know all the the time, the stoppages, the refs getting under the hood, and um, so anything that speeds it up, I'm in favor of. Yeah, and what what about the whole notion of it wasn't just the quarterback that had the, that had the the microphone. Not yeah. the, the, the the headphones or yeah. could could hear what they were saying. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, now they didn't let the linemen do it, which I'm like, come on, man. Being a lineman myself, I'm like, just just let them in on the action. It was really interesting to hear the play calls that they would call a full play, but then the quarterback was only calling the blocking scheme in the huddle because the receivers and running backs already heard the play coming in from the coach. Yeah, that's so, how we do it. We 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 signal the receivers and the quarterback, you know, calls the play just with the offensive lineman. I mean. Uh, it's easy again, speed, man. I mean, like, you know, most of the high school teams that we see are no huddle teams. They go fast. Yeah. I, I was reading, um, Andy Reed talking about schemes and he was talking about how like the NFL is usually four or five years behind college because in college and high school, you have the talent disparities. Uh, and so you have to c try to come up with innovative schemes to sort of narrow that talent difference. Whereas in the pros, yes. you don't have it as much. So the schemes are more vanilla. And I think some of the teams that are doing the best now are, are, are you know, the ones that are that are borrowing from those lower levels. You know, look at Kansas City, look at Baltimore. Some of what those teams are doing are, are really stuff that, you know, we see in high school on a weekly basis. Yeah, well, the, the biggest reason I feel that the NFL hasn't gone to more of these offenses is trying to protect your investments, mainly your quarterback. Oh, that, they, that they don't want to put them in harm's way. So, therefore, that's that's what they're doing. So, but I, I find it interesting because I've, I've told stories on here from my coaching because we, uh, we've, we've really busted on Randy land a lot on this, on this show. That's uh that's Jeff's sure. name for, for Randy Feetner. We uh -huh. gotta, we gotta go to Randy land and, and the whole notion of, you know, I had a, I had a season where I had a com completely changed scheme from not, I tried to do the same thing. The first game of my, it, it was my last year coaching and I didn't have the right personnel for it. I didn't have the offensive line to run it. And I completely changed my offense from our first game to our second game because I didn't have an offensive line. So we ran shotgun, quick passing routes and, and 
the, the kids didn't have to think hard. Just, hey, block. Don't let anyone pass your right shoulder. Don't let anyone pass your left shoulder. And, and that's what we went with. And we're like, that was kind of frustrating knowing that you had an offensive coordinator that basically didn't seem like – I'm going to ask you, from what you saw, did they make much – how much did they change the offense once they lost Ben Roethlisberger? Do you think they really adapted things to the, uh, to the young quarterbacks that they had? I think um... – I think so much of that offense was revolved around what Ben could do um, that. And then, you know, to not have a veteran to be able to handle even some of it, you know, I mean, they were really going from like a guy who had a doctorate in playing quarterback to, to dudes who were, you know, like undergrads yeah. and um, frat and boys. I, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> you know? They just had to, um, you know, and I don't think he ever figured out how to make it simple for him. And the lack of a of an effective run game. I mean, the run game was bad even before Ben went out. Yeah. So not being able to lean on that. I mean, I don't envy what Fickner was up against. I mean, uh, you know, and he was he had it. He had it. Uh, he had a, a t- it was dealt a tough hand there. But but at the same time, um, I think that yeah, that they could have been more creative with some of the things that they did. They certainly could have uh, tried to implement a little more misdirection in the offense and and broken away from just the 11 personnel stuff that they were just so used to running. I mean, the fact that they remained an overwhelmingly 11 personnel team um, and didn't really seem to, to alter the approach uh, much was kind of disappointing. I fe- I thought it, as we, as we progressed that we would see, see them get a little more creative. There you go. Bingo. We've talked, we've talked about, talked about that all season was really just, you know, Hey, it, you know, we're banging our heads, we're banging our heads, we're banging our heads. You'd think we'd try something different. And we seem to just line up and bang our heads again. Yeah, you know, I mean, again, I think it's easier said than done. For uh, you know, when you're when you're looking at, at what you have and you're trying to you're trying to get the the quarterback to just handle the basic stuff, and now you're going to ask the rest of the offense to to learn something on the fly. Uh, you know, as you know, they've gone through an entire uh, pr- training camp, preseason OTAs, all of that stuff, running one system it's really hard to ask him to do something else. So I understand a little bit of the struggles that, that he was up against, but at the same time, you know, you had 14 games. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's a long season and you know, you got some good, good coaching minds there. You figured that they'd come up with something. Yeah. Now we want to get into the the whole topic of the show, but I do have one other thing because this is something that when Rich and I are sitting there at a game, we were at the, we sat together um, at the Rams game was the game that we went to together and we're sitting there and as much as everyone wanted to cheer, whenever you saw this, when he came into the game, the one, one number 72, we could predict exactly where the ball was going and what they were doing every time. Yeah. Right, Rich? Yeah. yeah we, we didn't miss that game. I think we said every time and it was, yeah. And it was the same. It was exactly what we saw coming and it just, it, it, it wasn't fooling anybody and it wasn't beating anybody. That I think was the frustrating part. Right. I don't care if teams know what you're going to do. I mean, for years, the Steelers would line up. You knew exactly what they were going to do, hand the ball off to Bettis, and, you know, it was four or He's five yards good ready. every time. It didn't matter that everybody knew what we were going to do. Um, this team, yeah, this team this past year wasn't able to to do that. They, they couldn't telegraph it, but we were telegraphing it and then not winning not winning the one-on-one matchups to be able to be effective at it. And um, I, I think that's where a lot of people's frustrations with Feekner really came in. I know it was that's where my frustrations with him really came in. Um, 
because you know it was like, hey, we're not fooling anybody with this. Why are we con- constantly going back to it? Right. The Wildcat with Samuels that first week was great, but yeah. to ex- but to expect to be able to kind of just repeat it uh, yep. in, at the mm-hmm. NFL level, you know, without adding a new wrinkle to it or with, without um, you know sort of evolving it, and the same thing with the six man line, you know. Yeah. Uh, they got away with it for a little bit, but obviously NFL defenses are going to figure it out and adjust. So you have to continue to evolve it. And they just didn't do that. Yeah. So as, as we dive into the running game, it's something that something we noticed here. It was that the, the longest run that the Steelers had on the season was 45 yards and it was Trey Edmonds. And that was against the Colts. I do believe. Yeah, Colts. Um, and what was so funny is we had talked about this on the show the week before is that, just do something different. I said, they're all flowing. The whole defense is flowing to the same spot. And I don't know if it was designed this way or if it was a mistake, but that long run was because Roosevelt Nix was there. He went one way and everyone in the defense stepped to him and they ran the ball to the right and busted and nobody was there. yards and no one yeah. was there. So it was kind of, I, like I said, I, I wish I knew if that was what it was supposed to be, if it was a brilliant call, or if it was because they they didn't telegraph it properly that they busted it for a long run. Yeah. So just one of those things. Let's let's go. You have an article coming out. You might not even know this. I, I could have read the article beforehand, but I specifically didn't because I didn't want to take your great ideas. <laughs> um, but it's it's coming out tomorrow morning. For those of you that are going to look for it, it is out at 8.47 a.m. tomorrow morning is when it is scheduled to come out on the website. That's very specific. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. I, I made sure I knew when it was yeah. coming. Unless now, now watch Jeff. He'll go yeah, with Jeff change will change it. it. Just, just to mess with me. <laughs> just make, to mess with Make you. me look bad. Yep. But but your article tomorrow was talking about are this, should the Steelers, and I, I'm pretty sure you're talking specifically for 2020, yep. is it running back by committee or one featured back? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So tell us a little bit about what you got into with that. Well, um, I mean, I, you know, I kind of broke down the whole idea, uh, you know, the two approaches, obviously Tomlin's been a, a feature back guy and we kind of get into some of the numbers there about, um, you know, like looking at, at going back to 2007, there's really only been two, two seasons, 2012 in this past year where they used something resembling a, a committee approach. Uh, this year it was not by design, you know, it was, you know, simply because of all the, 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 everything that befell the offense in 2012, it was uh, Mendenhall was coming off of a, an injury from the previous season an ACL and he wasn't ready to go. And they just didn't, they didn't want to invest the draft pick in somebody new because he was still, you know, young, he was 25. And so they, they rolled with a, a committee approach. It was Red, Isaac Redman and Jonathan Dwyer and Chris mm-hmm. Rainey and, um, I can't even remember who the fourth one was, but um, I mean, they had, uh, it was four average backs, um, none of whom stood out. And I just, you know, and they, and they finished 26 in the league in rushing. And I don't know if that, if that soured Mike Tomlin on that kind of an approach, or if it was, you know, more likely Le'Veon Bell coming on board the next year and then just being able to ride him. So we kind of go into the history of that. 
Uh, and then, and then we sort of look, look at, you know, the teams that have succeeded with both approaches. The big thing with a feature back approach is you, you got to be able to have a, a number two guy who can step in and carry the load as well. Like we did with D'Angelo Williams in 15 and 16. Uh, Cause that, that number one guy, man, he's probably going down at some point, you know, you're going to give him 400 touches. Uh, he's probably going to get dinged up or, or at least need, need a rest. And then, and then, you know, we looked at the committee approach and, and specifically examined Kansas or um, uh, Baltimore and San Francisco, who let who the two number one, one and two run, uh, Russian teams in the league this year. And both of them used the committee approach and we really went into like, what makes that work? So, and then, and then I, you know, finished the article sort of by speculating on what the Steelers might do next year. All right. So speculate, what might the Steelers do next year? I mean, you know, what they might do and what I'd like to see them do, I think are two yes. different things. I, okay. I believe, I believe they'll, they'll run it back with most of the same personnel with Connor in the feature role. I think, I just think that's what Tomlin's uh, comfortable with, but the offense is set up for that. Cause when you look at the teams, like if you, if you use San Francisco and Baltimore as an example, both those teams are heavy on misdirection, are heavy on play action pass, are are really multiple with their personnel groups. I mean, Baltimore uses a lot of 21 personnel with the two backs and Lamar Jackson as a third running threat. So they've got three guys that can that they can hand the ball to or carry the ball on just about every play. And then San Francisco uses the fullback and then three backs. It's amazing. San Francisco had three backs that they rotated this year. Brita and Coleman and uh, Mosher, and and they all got between 123 and 137 carries. I mean, that's an amazing balance. So, you know, they're rotating those three guys. They each have a slightly different skill set, but they can all do a little bit of everything. And then they've got the fullback and the tight end who they use masterfully in, in the play action game. And we really don't do any of that stuff. I and mean, we're an 11 personnel team. When we line up in 11 personnel, we got one back in the backfield and we're either handing him the football or, we're, or you know, the quarterback's throwing it, you know, Roethlisberger's throwing the ball. So for us to evolve to a committee approach, we're going to have to put in some of those bells and whistles and, and some, of that, some of those formation uh, groupings and uh, in order to keep teams from just teeing off on, on, on who that back is. Because the issue with our four backs right now is – Samuels or uh, Connor's the one who can do it all, but then each one of those other guys is limited. You know, like Snell is a good inside runner, but he really can't get to the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Samuels is, and, and White haven't proven that they can run between the tackles. So if you're not doing something to counter the defense from being able to sort of key uh, those guys, the strengths of those guys when they come in, like when when, when Snell comes in the game, man, they're loading up to stop the inside run. If you're not doing something to get the ball to the perimeter. It's going to be hard, you know, to sort of utilize him in that committee approach. So, you know, my big thing that I'd love to see him do is, 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 is you know, bring in another guy, that, an explosive guy, and use that committee approach. Because I just don't think Connor can handle the workload. But, I don't, I'm not, but I'm not convinced that they can actually get it done with the four guys that they have right now. You know, that's without changing the core of the offense. I'd love to see him do it. I really would. Because I think it's a great approach. Yeah. Rich, what do you think of that? I, I think I'd ha- say I have to agree. Um, first of all, you, totally correct in terms of Connors, that guy, the one guy we have out there that can do everything. Mm-hmm. But everybody now, yeah, we know durability is just going to be an issue. 300 plus touches a year for him, and he's not going to play 16 games, not even close. 
which means he's probably never going to see 300 touches again because he just won't make it through a season. We got to get him down. Um, then the question, you know, comes down to, okay, then what are we going to do? Um, so, so I guess the question, maybe I'll ask, ask Kevin this is, where do we get that other guy? Are we going to go, we're going to look to pick somebody up off the street or is there somebody out there draftable that could maybe come in and help fill some of those added things? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love, uh, love what Connor does, but I think you're totally right about, you know, not being able to handle 300 touches. I think Snell's a pretty good back, man. I really do. I, do I, really, I think he's a good, tough inside runner, but I think if your one, two punch is, Connor and Snell and I think that if you're going to if you're if you decide that Snell is your backup he's your insurance for Connor if he gets hurt then you need a better number three because I think Samuels and White are just both limited you know like White White's explosive I like what that that kid was doing last year and you can play some special teams he cannot run between the tackles and he can't pass protect so he's he's the stereotypical scat back totally absolutely (laughs) right so um and then Sam, you know, Sam was I, don't, I, I, I love his, the fact that he can do a little bit of everything. But I just, I don't know, man. Maybe you guys feel differently. I just don't know what's his role. Have they figured out a role for him yet? I think Samuels. I, I've said it. I can't remember if it was here on the preview. I think he is more designed with Ben Roethlisberger under center. Well, I shouldn't say under center because he always likes to be out of the shotgun. With with Ben Roethlisberger taking snaps because I was at the game against new England when he, when he had all those yards rushing and everything and looked great. But uh, I just think the rushing game, you know, completely as a whole fell off when the team, when teams weren't respecting the pass this past year. Yeah. So with there's one other person to talk about in this, in this running game that that people like to talk about, but uh, I want to get a specific with it. And that's Roosevelt Knicks that the Steelers didn't have except for a couple games this past year. And a lot of people are like, oh, just wait till we get Roosevelt Knicks back. Now, you've mentioned about the Steelers constantly running in 11 personnel. For those of you that don't understand, just to make sure we all know, I know a lot of you do, but for those of you that don't, 11 personnel is one running back and one tight end, which means you would then have three receivers. So if you're running that formation a lot, you're not running two, two backs. I think if they're going to use Roosevelt Knicks, if he comes back and is healthy and everything is great, I think they need to use him in a little bit of a different role to where he's just not kind of like Zach Banner. He's, you know, don't just come in and as soon as he's on the field, you know that you're running the ball and where you're going to run the ball. You've got to kind of use him a little bit more and get a little bit creative with him Um, and with formations that he would be in the game with. What do you think about, do you, how they should use Knicks or if they should just completely nix the idea of using a fullback completely. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> if you like that. Hey, it's that geek. We got to be geeky hey, on here. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, that was a good one too. Uh, I, mean, I, I think, I think, um, I mean, I love, you know, I love fullbacks. I just think that's a, you know, that's a, I mean, I granted you might, people might say it's the 21st century. They don't have a place in the game anymore. Uh, but you know, tell out to the 49ers, you know, uh, that's um, exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, uh, t- yeah, the 49ers proved that you know that guy could be invaluable, right? Yeah. Now, granted, if we had San Francisco's offensive line, those dudes are some road graders, man. So, like, I <laughs> yeah. mean, then that would that that might lead us to more of a 21 personnel approach. The thing that I'm really interested in seeing is you know, what, what does Matt Canada do? Uh, what's his impact going to be on a, on a lot of this? Because that that's a really creative guy. That's a guy who um, 
has a reputation for being really innovative. So if the Steelers are going to improve the run game, yeah, I agree. I think that they need to, to get Nick's more involved, but uh, he's got to be, um, he's got to be a threat in the, uh, in the flat run and play action pass. They got to be able to use him like an H back where he motions around the formations. Mm -hmm. Uh, The play that you talked about with, with Trey Edmonds, I I can't remember it exactly, but I think it was a split zone concept where, where everybody is, is zone in one way and the fullbacks kicking the backside edge just to create, you know, uh, you know, uh, a lack of full flow. I mean, full flow is where everybody's moving in the same direction and the linebackers can just run because there's nothing to hold them backside. I mean, we don't have a lot of misdirection in the offense. So there's not much to hold those linebackers. Um, and, you know, with Le'Veon Bell, that was fine because he was so patient and so good at finding the backside cuts. But, um, you know, Connor's a really different style. He's sort of a, you know, hit the hole hard charger. And, um, and you know, we had, in, order, in order for us to run the ball more effectively, we're going to have to use some smoke and mirrors. And I think, I think Rosie can be a part of that. Yeah, and and you guys also brought up the whole issue of durability. Rich, Rich, you brought that up there with Connor, and but Kevin, you also said it in general. Um, it, this is Stat Geek. We got to look at some numbers. So here are some numbers for you of the running backs this past season. I just want want this past season. There were fifteen running backs who rushed for more than a thousand yards in the NFL this past year. Out of those fifteen running backs, only seven of them played in 16 games. So you're talking about people talk about, well, James Conner just can't stay healthy. A lot of running backs can't be out there on, on the field. Now, of course, it's funny because we say like Mark Ingram, they rested him week 17. Honestly, if they still needed that game to win, I don't think he was playing because he had that calf injury. I, th- I don't think he was going to play even if they weren't resting anybody. So you have, you have seven of the, of the 15 guys that went over a thousand yards. If you look at just, 400 yards because the Steelers Steelers didn't have a 500 yard rusher this this year first time and I, I I can't remember what it was we talked about it weeks ago uh, I think it was back in the 60s 67 I think 67 I, I think was correct but it, so I just I set the I set the bar at 400 because that would include the Steelers there were 46 running backs in the NFL that ran for 400 yards or more and only 19 of them not even started just appeared in 16 games so that's once again less than half. Um, if, if you look at teams, I looked at their leading rusher on every team and out of, and out of those 32 teams, only 12 teams had their leading rusher play in every game. So that's something that is going to happen in the NFL at that position, no matter what is, is you're not going to have your running back. It's you're very lucky if you're running back plays in every game. So that's the biggest thing that I have where where some people are like the Steelers should do everything they can to go out and and sign Derrick Henry. We need someone like a Derrick Henry or something like that. Yeah. The thing is, what happens when you put all your eggs in one basket, kind of like they did with Ben Roethlisberger, quarterback, and then he's he can't play in a game because it's a lot more likely for a running back than a quarterback. Right. So, yeah. go ahead. The- that's why. That's why they're they need depth in the in the backfield and and um, you know again I I. I think Snell's, uh, he, you know, he's going to get better as he goes. Uh, I watched a lot of his stuff at Kentucky, um, and boy, man, he he didn't get a whole lot of blocking at Kentucky. You know, and he was no. he was playing when he's playing, you know, Auburn and Florida and those great SEC defenses, and and he made stuff happen. So he's the kind of guy that I think that you know is going to get better as a pro as he goes. Um, 
So then, right. Yeah. I mean, it's Connor, it's Snell and, and then what that becomes the big question. You know? I mean, yeah. Cause I think it was, I, I think it was pretty obvious during the season that, that um, like I liked our stable of running backs, but when Connor is the number one guy went down, suddenly our stable of backs, I mean, I felt took too big a hit when he couldn't play. When Connor couldn't play, we lost way too much in the running game. Absolutely, you know, especially with. I mean, and they're also young too. You know, I yeah. mean, you know, we Samuel's the second year. Uh, Snell was a rookie. White, you know, was basically a rookie. He bounced around a little bit, but um, so you know, I mean, I, I don't think we have the free agent money to go out and get a guy. Um, you know, but uh, but. And I'll be honest, I don't have the answer right now as to where exactly we go with that. Um, you know, I mean, you know, if, if there's a dude like Jonathan Taylor sitting there when you're when, when we pick in the second round, it'd be awfully tempting to to pick a guy like him. Because talk about a great compliment for James Conner, you know? Yeah. Well, I'll be honest with you. I, I've when I look at the guys that the Steelers have, you're you also want to look at what holes you might have on your team. If if Bud Dupree is not back, you've definitely got to hold outside linebacker. Other than that, I think on the defense, they're looking pretty good. But in the offense, the offensive line's getting older. What are they doing with Vance McDonald? Can they bring back, you know, you you right now, because he's got a club option that they haven't exercised yet, but they have until the beginning of the league year. So technically he still counts um on the salary cap, but really they the Steelers have to choose to to exercise that option. So if you're not counting Vance McDonald, you're talking about their tight ends on the roster right now have one career catch. Yeah. So, because that's all Gentry had this past year. So tight end is a need. You know, yeah. they they need they they need to get younger on the offensive line. Is running back a position right now that they need to use a high draft pick on when they could have other needs when they have because to bring in someone else, you're gonna one of these guys that you have is gonna get then be pushed out. Yeah. I don't, so, I, you know, I don't think it is. I don't think, I don't think they're going to take a running back into the second round. I'm just, you know, there's certain guys though, that you look, you know, if we all, we all fall in love with yeah. you know, certain, certain dudes. I'm totally biased, you know, full disclosure uh, on, on Jonathan Taylor. Cause he's a South Jersey guy like I am. And uh, <laughs> we got, to, we got to see him play in high school and it, it looked like the, you know, like a man playing against the boys. And um, so, yeah. And he's he's a hundred meter track champion, which leads me, I guess, to my to to answer your question. My biggest thing is, I, we, I think we need to get faster on offense. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I I wrote a, I guess I wrote something a couple of weeks ago about um, upgrading the tight end position and really kind of campaigning for a uh, you know what, what a lot of teams call a move tight end, which is really just sort of that tight end that you can you you know uh, move around a lot and use to stretch the field. Um, you know, and and it doesn't have to be to be that specifically, but but whether it's a, a quicker back, uh, a faster tight end, I just don't think that we have the kind of speed that um, you know makes our our offense uh, you know as explosive as it could be. You said it you know earlier. What was our longest run was forty five yards. Yes, and that that was kind of you know I don't want to say a broken play, but that was sort of like you know not a not because you had some athlete. I mean, making it happen. <laughs> It was Trey Edmonds. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And half his yards for the season were on that run. Yeah. So, you know, in order to make the offense more explosive, we, and I think we have to add some speed. Look what it, look what speed did for our defense. Yes. Absolutely. And, and what's what's crazy is I think if you look at running back and wide receiver, I think the speed that the Steelers have, they they got mid season off of other teams practice squads when yeah. they added white 
and Kane. Yeah. That that that's pretty much what they have. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of question marks with the Steelers going forward. And I don't know, I could sit back and speculate all I want, but they kind of have an idea of, of what they want to do. And I, like I say, I don't think running back should be uh, so I, I just, so many fans are saying we need their running back. We need a running back. Connor's not the answer. Okay. Connor was a pro bowler year before last. Connor just wasn't, he wasn't available as much this year. And well, the other problem is, is when Connor was there, they didn't win. When, when Connor missed those games, they won all those games without Connor. That's mm-hmm. what's crazy. And Rich and I were both at the Buffalo game. We weren't sitting together for that one. Uh, I was with Brian Anthony Davis. He was with his daughter. And what was f- so frustrating is that the Steelers got s- James Conner comes back from injury and they stopped running the ball. We didn't run the ball. So, I mean, they were running 30 sometimes a game leading up to that. And then Conner comes back and they run what, like 18 or 19 times? Si- 16 yeah. or 17. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. very many. I think that Buffalo game, there was a stretch where we threw the ball 21 straight times in the second half. Yeah, Which and I mean, like mind boggling, you know. And and the thing is, is is Coach Tomlin talked about how it was. Well, that's what happens when you're losing. Well, we were out, we were throwing more than we were running before we lost the lead, you know. So it was that was just that's a whole. I don't don't get me started on that one because, uh, as Brian Anthony Davis knows, I I will go off on that uh, on that wildcat play. <laughs> That I that I'm still not over that one. That fumble. I'm still not over that one of why they came out. I'm sitting up in the stands yelling, no, 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 yeah. as they line up yeah. in the wildcat. Yeah. I mean, that's the one they ran from what, like the nine, something yeah. like that. Well, yeah, because well, because it was uh Steven Nelson got the interception. They went to run a play. There was a defensive penalty, so they got it down. It was like the nine or ten yard line. Um, and it was the two-minute warning. And yeah. they came out of the two-minute warning. After they were on the field with their regular offense, they come back out and wildcat and fumble away. The thing so. that's crazy is, uh, is do you, I mean, you, you know, you, you probably – I don't know what kind of system or scheme you ran when you, when you were coaching. The reps that that – the practice reps it takes to get that timing right – yeah, how many how many practice reps could Jalen Samuels had had? And I can't remember who the who the jet back was, but how many no, reps could those two guys have gotten together to work on that timing? You know? Not only that, they didn't have Jalen Samuels in the game. They had James Conner. Oh, oh, you're right. You're right. That was his first really? Bobcat yeah, play yeah, of the year. Go. Yeah. So so you bring in a guy that I don't know has ever run a handoff in the NFL, and right. you're asking him to hand that ball off. That's just yeah. people are like, oh, well, handoff's easy. Handoff isn't easy. It's really not. If you don't know what you're doing, you're, yeah. I mean, especially if there was a read component to that. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm not yeah. positive if he was reading the defensive end. But, I mean, you know, that's that's really hard at full speed, uh, never mind at the NFL level. Yes. You know, so. so, but that, I could sit there and critique that one all day. But um, I I like the whole idea of, if that I don't feel that the Steelers have to make a move at running back this year. I don't. Um, I think especially if they're going to take more of a committee approach and not say we're going to run James Conner until we don't have him and then we're going to run Benny Snell because then you're not going to have James Conner very much. I would rather see James Conner get the same amount of carries over 14 or 15 games rather than what what we had last year. But when it comes to Benny Snell, is I'm looking for him to come back with that second-year jump. Yeah. With that second year of of NFL offseason conditioning, and maybe he's not just a run-up-the-middle guy. Maybe he is a guy that can get to the edge in the NFL. He might not ever be that guy, but if he's going to be there, that might be it. 
seeing how I just saw a comment flash through from the ever famous Lance Williams, maybe after that we Lance will have to stop calling him Benny and no Jets. You know, <laughs> yeah. After that off season <laughs> program, yeah, because he you he know. calls him Benny no Jets, but I he, thought I thought Benny's Jets got better as the season went on, but I you know. Everybody says, do you go committee or not committee or or whatever? Let me tell you what I'd rather see. I'd rather three see three guys rush for 50 <clears throat> yards each in a game than have one guy rush for 90 and then second leading guy rush for 10. You know, I'd rather have, you know, 130 to 150 yards from three guys than hope to get 100 from a guy and his backup that gets, you know, four carries. I think when you're if you're going to use that approach, uh, you really need to know how you want to use those backs. Exactly. And, uh, and I don't know if we do right now. You know, like because I think this year was a, a lot of what this year was was finding out what we had. You know, again, man, these guys were young. You know, did we really? We think we knew what we had in Snell. We thought he'd be you know be a tough inside runner. Um, you know, I don't I don't know if we we know yet what we have in Samuels. You know, he, he to me he's the wild card of the offense. Like if we could if, if we could define a role for him and he could become that that third guy, uh, because he does have actually for his size some pretty good burst and he's shown that he can that he can you know uh, run misdirection and get to the edge, and he can catch the ball and he can block a little bit. Man, he's he can do a lot of things, but he just seems to get lost some games. And, I well, the, I, go ahead, Rich. I think if we get any semblance of number seven back behind center in any semblance of what he's been in the past, I think that helps Jalen Samuels because, you know, Dave was talking about that, that new England game last year and Samuels was so good because we had the defense off balance. They didn't know what was coming. They didn't know if it was run, if it was pass and, and we just mixed it up. And that's why I felt Samuels was so successful. I didn't think Samuels ran the ball very well this year because Everybody knew when we were going to hand it off, and that doesn't work for Jalen Samuels. He needs some of that having the defense guessing. He needs that little extra piece of space to make a guy miss. And he didn't. He wasn't getting that this year. Yeah. So I actually think if 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 Ben comes back and we gain some respect back in our passing game, we see a better season out of out of Jalen Samuels. I also think that they are, I think they're really investing in Jalen Samuels because some people are like, oh, well, if they draft another running back, is it Kareth White that's gone? Is it Jalen Samuels that's gone? What's going to happen? Think about what they've done. Last year, they brought in his college coach, which is the running backs coach. Yeah, now they've, they've brought in who was the offensive coordinator when he was in college in Matt Canada as the, now granted, he's the quarterback's coach, but I have a feeling he's going to now be their passing game coordinator. Mm -hmm. um, that they've talked about how they have a pass game coordinator, run game coordinator, but they don't say who they are. So especially if, 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 cause no one really knew who the run game coordinator was, if it's Faulkner as well, then you're talking about two guys that have already worked together in college and with a back that's worked with in college. Now granted it's the NFL. So it, it, it's, it's next level, but if he can't do well with that, then I don't know what else they could do for him. Yeah, I mean, it is really interesting that Canada coached both Samuels and Connor uh, in mm -hmm. college. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, Fickner was was a really well respected uh, run game guy when he was at Memphis. I mean, he had D'Angelo Williams, yeah. and Williams set all sorts of records. Yeah. So maybe the you know maybe part of this is just better defining the, the roles of the coaches as well. Yeah, I I mean, because because we looked at it, 
whenever they mentioned the whole notion that they did, they had a run game coordinator, pass game coordinator. I'm like, well, who were these guys? Because I mean, they didn't have another quarterbacks coach. The, the wide receiver coach, you know, passed away and they had to put an interim person in there. And to me, there's no way they were using the tight end coach to, to do their passing game because he didn't use the tight end all season. I don't yeah. see how in the world <laughs> you didn't see him shining through in anything that they did passing game wise. Yeah. So I don't know who was coordinating the passing game other than Feekner. And then when it came to the run game, was it was it their new running back coach? Was it their new offensive line coach? You know, who was coordinating that? I, I think first of all, I, th- I think they need more coaches. They have they've run one of the smallest coaching staffs in the NFL. So I think they're, I, I like that they, they hired um, a quarterback coach. There was a report about who was hired as a wide receiver coach. Apparently that's not necessarily the case right now. They are interviewing other candidates. Um, the reports are mixed and nothing's been announced by the Steelers. So it's a very interesting situation and how much the running game depends on so much more of the offense. You know, when you have a strong, they're like, Oh, you got to run the ball to set up the pass. Well, sometimes you got to pass the ball to set up the run. It's that, it's that, like Mike Tomlin said in the past, that about when you when he's talking about balance, he's not talking about you know you do this half the time, you do that half the time. It's your ability to do both, which makes you better at doing both. Does that make does that sound about right? A hundred percent. Yeah, and uh, and I mean you know there were there were instances this this year where um, you know, they defenses just had more guys in the box than we could block. You know, you had. You, you, people talk about eight-man boxes. I mean, we saw some nine-man boxes yeah. this year. You can only block seven or eight of them, you know, and so there's guys running unblocked to the ball, and it's not anybody's fault. Uh, it's just that we couldn't get the ball down the field. The other thing that I, I'm, the other thing I'm really excited about, besides Roethlisberger coming back and, you know, how that might open up the offense is, is uh, Deontay Johnson. I think he's really special, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that he's got a chance. He is a great route runner, and he's got that, you know, quick twitch explosiveness. He doesn't have the long speed. Yeah, I know that some of those, some of the bigger uh, outside guys do, but boy, he really impressed me with how much better he got as the season went. And, um, you know, with Ben back, I mean, I think he could be special. I do too. I really like him, but according to Jeff Hartman, I hate him because <laughs> whenever they made the draft pick and they sit and because I didn't hear it yet and it hadn't come through on the TV and he texts Brian and I and he says, Deontay Johnson. I'm like, who? And he's like, um, then he said wide receiver Toledo. I'm like, oh, the wide receiver from Toledo. So I knew I knew who he was by that. And I'm like, and and the only thing I said is like, did they have to do this one now? Was the question mark I asked because you know they had another pick coming soon. And I'm like, was did they? Ha- I didn't. A lot of people hadn't gauged him to go that high. And because I asked that question, I've they've deemed me a Deontay Johnson hater ever since. Where when I then you know listen to the interviews and everything afterwards. I, they were wise to draft him when they did. I don't know that they would have got him with their next pick only, um, you know, not that much later. So I, I think he did a great job. Um, some people really want to want to give Juju a hard time. There were times early in the season where Juju is the one who totally opened up Deontay Johnson. You know, the, the, they run a deep cross and everyone's so focused on Juju. Johnson was wide open against the Bengals. So you know, just some, just, I probably use the wrong terminology there because I've been out of the game too long and I was a run game guy. Um, <laughs> so, uh, anything, um, Rich, anything else you want to say right now about this specifically before we call this a show so we can start the Q and a show coming up soon after this one? No, I, um, I'm good. Um, I would say I probably agree Kel, with one thing it will be tempting in round two if a guy falls down there running back wise that you don't think is going to 
it could be real tempting. Um, might have a better idea if we could even consider that once we get closer to the draft and we see what we've done leading into the draft. Um, and I don't everything know. changes hey, after the combine. That's why, that's why the offseason is still fun. Yeah. So, Kevin, anything else you want to say to, to, to sum up this topic here before we move on to the next? Um, you know, I, you know, uh, I don't really, I don't know how, what the Steelers have in mind, how it's going to play out uh, with, with the running backs. I sense that Tomlin will, will continue to sort of feature the one back as the, as the guy who gets the, the lion's share of the carries just because that's what he's done. Um, but you know, like I said before, man, I really think that, you know, that some speed somewhere on that, on, on the offense would upgrade us. If I have my druthers, if I'm, if I'm Kevin, Kevin Colbert and I'm picking in the second round, I'm looking for that, that tight end that can stretch the field. I mean, that's the guy that I, I would, I really think could make the biggest impact on the offense. Um, but you know, you know, get having seven back, man. You're like, like you said earlier, that's, that's probably the, the, the way you can upgrade the run yeah. game, you know, mm-hmm. the best. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about that one here a little bit in the next show. So here's what's going on. First of all, if you all, I should have reintroduced you, Kevin, partway through the show in case people joined us late that in case you didn't realize who you were talking to, you were hearing from the infamous, Cliff Harris is still a punk, one of our fantastic writers for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. If you all, we've been, Jeff has, has been finding out more and more that a lot of times our podcast audience and our website audience don't overlap as much as what we think. So if you are on here listening to this podcast or watching on YouTube, make sure you check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Lots of great stuff on there. A minimum of eight articles a day. We've got commentary. We've got breaking news. We just got all kinds of, um, you know, Brian Anthony Davis is always good for, for, for some entertainment with his various things that he does. Make sure you're checking that out. Also, for those of you that are getting ready to jump on over to the Q&A, remember that when you get there, you'll have the, the super chat feature available. Where you can type in your question uh, and, and then hit the dollar sign, donate any amount amount of money you want to the show and we will make sure we get to yours. Uh, I know some of you are probably hoping maybe you can, Kevin can answer some stuff there, but if nothing else, just make sure that you are liking the video or giving a good, giving a, a good, um, what rating on, on the podcast, uh, whatever form you listen through. So we want to thank Kevin for joining us here. You're going to be able to join us for the next one for a little bit. Yeah. I'll hang in. Yep, All right, sounds good. And Richard, okay. hey, hold on, I, I got to give props because somebody keeps that. Thaddeus keeps asking, so I got to got to mention because he's liking <laughs> the mount in the back. Thaddeus, yeah. that is actually the, the skull, the Euro mount you're seeing back there is actually not mine. That was actually Buck, my son Kyle killed this year, and he he got it done so that I could put it up at the podcast. You probably can't tell because it's not real big. But he had it dipped, and it's dipped in uh, Steeler uh, black and gold. So. Yes. Uh, I've seen it in person. Did I see that one in person? No, you did not. You saw that Okay, I saw yours. We just got this one the other day. So um, so, so that's there. He's like, Dad, I want to get it dipped in black and gold so you can put it up for the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, and I did see this. I want to mention that. We are going to be focusing on on the live chat. Uh, We'll get going a little bit on the next show. So make sure you're ready for those questions or things you want to say there. Um, So we're going to call this one a night. In the words of Lance Williams, tune in. Tell a friend and subscribe. Thanks for geeking out with us. We'll see you next time.